guest today on the Writer's Corner live show is Edward Willard. He is the award-winning author of more than 60 books spanning science fiction, fantasy, non-fiction for readers of all ages. He also hosts the award-winning podcast, The World Shapers. Don't go away. We will be right back. If you're just joining us, then you are watching the Writer's Corner live show. Welcome. I'm your host, Bridgetti Limbanda from Cape Town in South Africa. Our stream today is made possible by StreamYard, Creative Edge, and BeLive Media. A special warm welcome to you, our viewers, if you're watching us on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter, also on Amazon Live then a very warm welcome to you because this is an audience-centric show. So do say hello. If you've got a question for the author, please feel free to do so. If you've never watched the show before, please type new in the comment and we'll give you a shout out. But whatever you do, do say hello to us in the comments. Before we welcome our amazing author for today, Edward Willett, I want to first introduce my friend and co-host, Mary Elizabeth Jackson. She's a special needs and disabilities advocate and the award-winning author of the Poolicious children's book series, and she lives in the Nashville area. So let us know where in the world you are joining us from. Mary, welcome to the show. Hi, I am so excited to be here, and we are both international bestsellers and number one Amazon bestsellers. We're so excited about that, aren't we? Yes, we absolutely are. Just recently, um, we've released two books, The Fearless Entrepreneurs and Invisible No More, Invincible Forevermore. And be before we bring our guests on, I just want to mention that I'm especially um, excited about the release of the book Invisible No More, Invincible Forevermore, because September is um, the month in which we do... Suicide um, prevention. Suicide prevention. Yes. And I believe that it should be an awareness that's not only in the month of September, but it should be all year round. We should always be conscious of suicide prevention. And it's a collection of stories. There are 29 of us in the book that at some point in our lives have felt invisible. And that often is one of the trigger, triggers for people who um, feel suicidal is that they feel invisible in the world. So right. please do have a look at that book. And Ross Boundy is joining us from Australia. Ross, Hi. welcome to the show. So great to see you. Um, welcome. And our guest today, I mean, my mind is blown. When I read Edward's uh, bio, and looked at all the stuff that he's done, that he's accomplished. I was like, 
oh my goodness yeah. i cannot wait to have this man on the show today i know we've been looking so forward to having him on because i i love how creative he is in his mind and he just you know he's done so many things and he just it looks like he's not going to stop anytime soon at all and we're really glad for that because he has put out some amazing books and he, he's brilliant so it's so fun to talk to him it will be Absolutely. so fun to talk to him yes emilia welcome to the show and so Edward is the award-winning author of more than 60 books. I know. Can you um, imagine? Right? I, I can't even wrap my head around that, Mary. Just he's like, I cannot. Uh, he's got Thornton <laughs> and he, he's almost up there with Ken Abrahams, right? So, yeah. But it means that he has been a very busy guy. Very, very busy man, yes. Mm. So he covers science fiction, fantasy, nonfiction. Um, he's the award-winning host of the podcast, The World Shapers. Um, and he's also the owner and editor of Shadow Paw Press. And Shadow Paw apparently is the name of his dog. Right. That's, I know. Isn't that great? I like yes. to always ask people, why do they name their businesses? What they, you know, there's always a backstory. So we always like to know that. Absolutely. So you know what? Enough of this waffle. Shall we just get Edward onto the show now? Yeah. And so on. he, he can, he can, you know, he can tell us more about himself, which is what we really, really want to know. So let's welcome <laughs> Hi. Do you like the intro? I have to correct you right away, though. It's the name of my cat, not my dog. It's your cat. <laughs> He'd be horrified. So, you know, I have to have to set the that dog straight. Like, oh, I'm so insulted. I will never come in the house again. Yeah. Well, if he wasn't sound asleep somewhere, I don't think I have to worry about him finding out. So. Right. Well, please tell him we're very sorry. We do not want to offend him. We do apologize. Yes. <laughs> Hey, it's an animal. She got an animal, right? She got part of it, right? Four legs, you know, this is close <laughs> enough. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Edward, I, right out of the gate, I, I want to ask you, you know, with 60 books to your credit, spanning several genres, do you even have a favorite? I mean, among some of your works, I, I went through like, this and I'm like, where to start? You know, there's this moonlit world, this blue fire star song. Um, then you've written about stuff like meningitis, Ebola virus, arthritis, yeah. hemophilia, <laughs> Alzheimer's, <laughs> negative body, negative body uh, image, Johnny Cash, Ken Irma, the basis, basics of quantum physics, <laughs> the understanding of photoelectric effect and line spectra. Then you've I written mean, about you, you are, I mean, like, you know what? Mind He's blown. <laughs> I, I have a new title for him, Edward the Spectrum, right? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I started writing very young. I, I I always wanted to be a science fiction and fantasy writer right from the beginning. The first short story I wrote was called uh, Castor Glass Hypership Test Pilot. And I was 11. So that kind of shows you where my mind was. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I wrote novels in high school. But I went into journalism. So I was a newspaper okay. reporter and then an editor of my hometown newspaper. I was editor at the age of 24. I was editor of the newspaper. And uh, <laughs> then I worked for the Saskatchewan Science Center for a few years. So I always had an interest in science and nonfiction. And so when I went freelance, I actually, my very first book was actually using Microsoft Publisher for Windows 95. That was my first published wow. book. I saw that as well. 
Yeah, so uh, the the nonfiction side, it was very, I wrote a science column for years. I was a guest on radio talking about science. And so I started working for educational publishers. That's why I have this this wide range of, of topics oh, because okay. they would give me a list and say, we need people to write these books. I said, oh, I can learn anything. So I'll write that or I'll write that. And that's how I ended up doing, you know, like a biography of Ayatollah Khomeini, a biography of Andy Warhol and Johnny Cash and the quantum, the, the, uh, uh, quantum physics book, <laughs> and quantum I wrote film. genetics demystified for McGraw Hill, um, and but then all through that I was also writing fictions. And uh, one reason I have sixty books, I always like to be honest, is that a lot of those educational books are very short; they're like fifteen, twenty thousand words max. Mm. Um, so they they did pile up pretty quickly there for a while. <laughs> wow. But it's about twenty I novels at this point as well. Oh, that's really wow. that's really really awesome, and and what a great opportunity that you've had in your life to write outside of a genre or be multi-genre author, you know what I mean? Instead of being like your completely fantasy or romance or murder or mystery, that kind of thing. So what yeah. an honor it is. You know, the question I want, one of the questions I really wanted to ask you, and I have, I've wondered this before, you know, you're writing under your name. Why write under a pseudonym or a different name? Is there, what's your purpose for that? Uh, it wasn't really my purpose. It was something that the publisher wanted. So that my main publisher, okay. my big publisher is Daw Books. I'm currently, my 12th novel will be coming out from them for Daw Books next year. Um, and uh, my first three books for them were science fiction. And then they said, you know, fantasy is selling better than science fiction right now. This was a few years ago. Uh, why don't you write a fantasy? And since I was changing genres, they said, get a fresh start in the marketplace. Uh, oh. Why don't you use a, a new name? So I went with E.C. Blake, which is my initials, Edward Chain Willett, E.C. And Blake was my nephew's middle name. And my mom suggested that. And if your mom says you should use it, well, then, of course, that was That's what right. I did. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, then right after that, that was a three-book trilogy. And it was basically a... Uh, it was basic. Oh, actually, I've got the. Maybe I have it backwards. That's. I do have it backwards. I first did a standalone fantasy, and that was Lee Arthur Chain, which is the middle names of me and my two older brothers. And then it was E.C. Blake, and this fantasy was completely different from what Lee Arthur Chain had written because it was functionally YA with a fifteen-year-old female protagonist, and that's why suggested another pseudonym and E.C. the initials because maybe people would think I was a woman if they cared that. It, who was writing this story about this girl. So we never really pretended I was female, but uh, that was part of the thinking that went into that. But then after that, I got to go back to being Edward Willett again. And the other pseudonym I wrote was for a completely different reason. It was uh, uh, Adam Blade, and he's the house name for the Beast Wars children's fantasy series. So anybody who writes for that series gets called Adam Blade. It's like Nancy, Nancy Drew books, or you know, they all have the same name on them, but the actual Carolyn... Keen is long gone, but Nancy Drew is still being written by other authors. So that was the other reason for a pseudonym. I love that's it. That's very it. interesting. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I like being I liked being Adam Blade because he was described as a his bio was he was a 20-something Englishman who's who had a pet capuchin monkey and liked to go rock climbing on the weekends. And you know, yeah, that's me. <laughs> And you're minded to, yes. And you know what I think? I think when people have initials, for some reason, I, I don't know, I think people are drawn to books that have two initials and a last name. Don't you? It's very common, yeah. It is very common, yes. It, but it was much more common in the old days in science fiction and fantasy. The reason for the pseudonym was a woman writing and didn't they didn't, you know, 
publisher or the author didn't want people to know it was a woman because there weren't a lot of women writing science fiction fantasy. There were always some, but you had uh, a few pseudonyms back then uh, for that reason. That was a long time ago, though. Yeah, very interesting. So your latest books um, are Star Song, and your upcoming book is Shapers of Shapers of Worlds, Volume Two, mm -hmm. for which you ran a very, very successful Kickstarter, and I believe you're about to to launch that. Can you tell us a little bit about these two books? Well, I'll start with the anthology. Uh, my podcast, The World Shapers, is one where I interview other science fiction and fantasy authors, and. Uh, um, after I've been doing it for a few months, I was at the annual general meeting of Sask Books, which is the Saskatchewan Book Publishers Association, which I'm now on the board of. And this woman came in and did a presentation about how she had kickstarted an anthology. Uh, she'd raised like $100,000, but she had connections to the comics industry, and they're really big on Kickstarters and comics. I said, hey, I know some authors. So it took me a while to climb that learning curve of doing a Kickstarter and to get up the gumption to try it. But then I ran one last year. It succeeded. I have the first one here, although the second one's not out yet. But this was the, the first anthology, Shapers of Worlds. And uh, you can see there's some fairly impressive names on there, like Tanya Huff and Ellie Modisett Jr. and John Scalzi. And, you know, we had Hugo Award winners, Nebula Award winners, British Science Fiction Award winners. Uh, and it was very successful. So I thought, hey, I'll do it again. <laughs> so this year I uh, I went with, that was my, those were guests for my first year because I had to cut it off somewhere. So the, the new one is guests for my second year. It's a third longer than that one. It's going to be about 540 pages in print, um, 140,000 words of fiction. And again, it's uh, huge names in the field. Some of them, people like Garth Nix. Uh, and of course, immediately the names go out of your head when you say things like that. <laughs> but uh, other uh uh, Kelly Armstrong, Nancy Kress, Carrie Vaughn, S.M. Sterling, again, big names in the field. Uh, and that's just about ready to go on pre-sale. I, I think uh, maybe in the next few days it'll pop up as available for pre-orders on Amazon. And the release date that I've settled on is November 2nd. So that's when it will be available widely. After I get the Kickstarter rewards out, they'll go out in October. And then the other book is uh, uh, Starsong, which uh, this one I'm very fond of because... Uh, it started as a uh, short story called The Minstrel, one of the very first short stories that I sold way back in the 80s. And I immediately tried to turn it into a book. And it almost sold to a major publisher in about 1991, 92. Um, Josepha Sherman was editing at Walker and & Company. And uh, I'd sent it in. She said, oh, you need to put in a lot more stuff. You left this big time gap in the middle. So I filled it, that in, resubmitted it. She said she was ready to make an offer the publisher of Walker and Company died. His son took over and decided that they weren't publishing science fiction anymore. <laughs> and that was the end. I never found a home for it, even though it came that close 30 years ago. Well, now I have my own publishing company. And so I finally put it out and I went back and looked at it. And of course, after 30 years, I did find a few things I wanted to change. So I wrote, rewrote it completely from start to finish, uh, gave it a, a second viewpoint character, not just the boy, there's also a girl. And now they both get viewpoint sections uh, and it's out. So I'm very, very happy to see that one come out at last. Wow. Well, congratulations. Um, a favorite section I, in there that you could could read to us? I just do. To and give I us guess, a bit of a, without giving too much away, but just to kind of give us a little bit of a taste of the book. Yes. I could do that. And I guess I didn't actually explain what it's about, so I'll do that now as well. Okay, yeah, that'd be great. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's a young adult science fiction, far future. And uh, basically, my main character, Chris Lamarck, has been raised on a planet 
that he doesn't really belong on. I mean, he's visibly different from the people who live there. And uh, he's been raised in this little backwater village or farm, really, not even in the village, uh, by a guardian whom he was given to by his long dead parents. He knows nothing about his parents, except they left him this, what seems to be a musical instrument that he calls a touch lyre. He just touches it and it will play if he thinks what he wants to play. Uh, and he comes back, uh, this is not a spoiler because it's in like the first four pages. Uh, he comes back and finds out that his, his guardian has been murdered. And uh, so he's left on his own and he decides he will take this instrument, which he knows can't possibly be from this planet. He'll go to the main spaceport city. He will find a way into space and he will try to figure out through this instrument who his parents were if he has family out there. Turns out the instrument is wanted by some very powerful people who will stop at nothing to get it because it's actually a powerful alien artifact. And he falls in with this girl of a space going family, kind of gypsy-like family. Uh, and that's how he gets into space. And so it goes on from there. So this is this is when he gets to the spaceport. And this is kind of the central metaphor. It's on the cover, really, in a way, the starships are. And uh, it's kind of the metaphor of the whole book. And it's a metaphor for me, which is this young guy, the kid on the prairie, looking at the stars and wanting to go to them. And the only way I could get there was through books. Well, my character in the book gets to go to them in reality. So, <laughs> And this is when he sees the starships. He turned and continued toward the spaceport. The transport soon passed him going the other way, stopping again at another loading dock a little farther on. He crossed to the other side of the street to avoid it. Ahead, the road ended in a T-intersection with a much broader road along which traffic passed in both directions. Beyond that stood a tall fence, and beyond that a vast expanse of juracrete baking in the sun. Sore feet forgotten, he broke into a run, burst out onto the busy road, dodged traffic to cross it, clung to the wire mesh fence on the far side of it, and drank in his first close-up view of starships. Curved, mirrored flanks cast back sharp reflections of the city and narrowed to needle-sharp glittering prows pointing at the sky, at the stars, at his future. Chris drank in the sight, silently vowing he would be aboard one of those vessels when it launched. He saw someone come around the landing strut of the nearest ship, a slender figure, a young boy or girl, he couldn't tell at that distance, and his heart ached with the desire to be that youth, to stand there at the base of a starship, to gaze out at a strange new world he had never visited before. So very, very nice. We thank authors like you who write things like this for us um, to, yes, Roz, I agree, um, to help us to go to those places. It's really, really, you know, it's amazing because not everybody has vision like that, right? And it, it's really hard as an author and a writer to go get what's in your head out on paper. You know, some people aren't ever able to do it successfully, but I would say you've done it very successfully. And um, um, I want to ask you, you know, turning out as many books as you have, um, you know, what is your secret for publishing things uh, quickly or in succession the way that you have done over the years? Do you, and what is your most successful published book or your favorite? Uh, those are two different questions. But, oh, well, I yeah. don't know. Maybe they're not. I can't really say what's my, my favorite published book. Uh, I love them all at the time they're coming out. Yes. And of course, by the time you've read them and reread them and reread them and reread them and revised them and rewritten them, and then the page proofs come and you read them again. And when the book actually appears, it's like, well, I've been there and done that. <laughs> and you're on to the next thing. Right, right. Uh, but my most my most successful book sales-wise, I guess, is probably 
uh, Masks, which was the first book in the Masks of Agreement trilogy that I wrote as E.C. Blake. And I do like that one a lot. Uh, it was a trilogy and uh, hardcover and it was it was very nice <laughs> to have that. I like that one a lot. Uh, I also like my most recent series for Daw, which is the uh, the World Shaper series. The Moonlit World is book three in that series, but that they seem to be done with that. So I'll be writing it, but I'll be putting it out myself to, to continue that series. And then the other one I always like to mention is uh, the Shards of Excalibur young adult uh, fantasy series. It's a modern day fantasy series. The books are only about 60,000 words each, five of them. And it tells the story of a young girl from right here in Regina who uh, is walking around Wascana Lake, which is about a block and a half from my house. And uh, she sees the lady of the lake is in Wascana Lake because everybody's mm. got to be somewhere. Right. And she tells this girl that she's now the lady of the lake and she and this boy that are with her have to find the scattered shards of Excalibur all over the world before Merlin can. He's the bad guy in the book. So I had great fun with that. Um, and I really like to to point that one up as well. I think for my absolute favorite series, it's that I've done. It's a toss up between Masks of Agreement and uh, and Shards of Excalibur. Oh, I can't wait. Okay, we're gonna get the Shards of Excalibur, <laughs> Excalibur absolutely because we're huge Merlin fans. I can't wait. And so you just, how do you feel like? Um, you know, how have you been able to churn out such a huge variety? I mean, it takes a lot of people to do that. I know. Unless, you know, people who self-publish can put out books constantly. Yeah, well, and I do both. So with my, okay. with, with the DAW books, it's tended to be about a book a year. Uh, I missed a year here and there. Um, like this year, I won't have a new one. Although uh, the last one came out in late 2021, The Moonlit World, uh, 2020. And uh, the next one, which is a humor space opera called The Tangled Stars, which I've just submitted, will be out next year sometime. So I don't have much control over that. Um, but I've often worked with multiple publishers. So sometimes I'll have books coming out from more than one publisher in a year. And then I am publishing now through Shadowpaw Press. And so if there is something I want to get out fairly quickly, I can do that if I can find the time to do all the work that it requires to put something yeah. out. <laughs> I, I'm only one person. I need a staff. But <laughs> I, yes, I agree. I agree. Um, well, thank you for sharing I think sharing that's something that we always want. Is, is like, you know, can we, can we please have a, can we clone ourselves? That yeah. would be nice. Yeah. I think it's what most of us would want. Ross yeah, wants to know it's the easiest. I know. Ross wants to know, is it easiest to write as a close to home theme or totally creative and imagined? Mm, good question. Uh, they're very different, that's for sure. Uh, one of the things when I'm, if you're writing something set in the real world, uh, you want to, I think there's more research involved if you write something set in the real world because you want to make sure you don't get something totally screwed up. So in the, the Shards of Excalibur books, uh, I said it all over the world, but I couldn't go there. But, you know, Google is your friend. And with Google Street View, I could do a pretty good job of describing very specific streets in like Wellington, New Zealand, I think was one of the places I was in or or lakes in New Zealand. You know, you can get images and, and work from that. Um, so that I think is a bit more, it's actually a bit more work writing something set in the present day in the real world for that reason. If I'm setting it, on the other hand, it's just a different kind of work. If I'm setting it in a world I've entirely made up, I have to make it up. So that's a different kind of work than trying to make sure that you get facts right for something set in the, the here and now. So uh, I've done both. I tend to write more in pure fantasy worlds or in far future worlds than I've written in the more uh, present day. Uh, but yeah, I have done both. So apart from just being an accomplished author, 
You've also started a very, very successful podcast called World Shapers. Tell us a little bit about that. How did you get started into podcasting? I mean, apart from the fact that you've got a magical voice. (laughs) (laughs) I can't take credit for that. I inherited it. Uh, (laughs) um, Well, I've done broadcasting of various sorts for a long time. Um, Of course, first I was on newspapers and, you know, that was different. But uh, once I started working at the Saskatchewan Science Center as communications officer, which I did for five years in its early years, which is what brought me to Regina, um, I um, I was a regular guest on radio, uh, CBC Saskatchewan. For like 17 years, I was the weekly science guest. And I've been on TV a couple of times talking about science. And I hosted a community radio program. And for 10 years, I hosted a community television program. So I, and with the journalism background, I was used to interviewing people. So I thought, you know, that sounds like a podcast possibly. And I thought about it for a long time. And then I finally did it again. There was a a learning curve, you know, figuring out how to get it online and the hosting and all that stuff. And I wanted to time it with the beginning of the world shapers book series. That's why it has the same name. And again, I've met lots of science fiction fantasy authors over the years, so I was able to reach out. My first three guests were Robert J. Sawyer, John Scalzi, and Tanya Huff, and then Julie Sinead, I guess my first four guests. And then I was talking to people like David Brin and Tad Williams and uh, Joe Haldeman, you know, big names in the field. And I've met some of them. And once I had a few of those and I'd done those, I could people would look at him and say, oh, well, this guy knows what he's doing. And, you know, he's talked to these big names. And I've had very little trouble getting anybody that I want on the show. There's a few authors or other publicists who don't get back to me, but you, you know, <laughs> and I only do it every two weeks. So uh, there's lots of time in there. Uh, and I, it's about the creative process. We talk about, you know, how they got started writing and then uh, usually focusing on one book. We'll talk about uh, idea generation, uh, planning, outlining, uh, writing, revision, uh, editing. And then at the end, I ask big philosophical questions like, why do you write? Why do you think human beings write? Why do we tell stories? and uh, why science fiction and fantasy in particular. They're about an hour long. They come out every two weeks. And uh, I'm coming up on my 100th episode very soon. In the next three or four episodes, I think I'll be up there. Congrats. Congratulations. That's awesome. Wow. Right. Very nice. Yes, we, we've been doing this for over three years. So we, we, uh, we really enjoyed it. So, you know, I, I, we both want to know this question, you know, what is left for you on your to-do list, your bucket list? Because you're not <laughs> stopping anytime soon. We know that. And we're really glad. But, you know, do you have something you really want to do? Like you want to take one of your books and you want to, you know, uh, produce it yourself, you know, in film or, you know, do you have something like that that you still want to do that you haven't done yet? Uh, well, I'm not a film producer, but uh, I have written, I've written plays and I've directed plays and I've done all that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I do have somebody uh, out there right now who's quite excited about the World Shaper series and is trying to get something going with film or television, but I'm just mm-hmm. kind of arm's length from that and hoping something comes of it. Give me lots of money. You don't have to make it. Just give me lots of money. I'll be fine mm-hmm. with that. Um, but I don't know. What, I, what do I want to do? I want every book I write. I hope that this is the one that will have more readers than the last one. I, I just want my stories to get out there and for people to to enjoy them because I think they're, I, I think they're worth reading. <laughs> so, you, you like them. They're your favorite, right? Yeah. <laughs> Some of your uh, favorites. I guess the one thing is on the publishing side, I would hope that I can get to the point where Shadowpaw Press can publish. A, um, I mean, I've got the anthologies, which are other authors, but I'd like to maybe at some point start bringing out original anthologies or uh, other people's novels. I've worked with a couple of writers around here that I've actually said, 
you know, I would be interested in looking at that, but I'm a tiny, tiny publisher. So start at the top and work your way down to me. It would be my advice if it was me. So, <laughs> but that is something I would like to do is to kind of expand the Shadow Pop Press publishing empire <laughs> beyond just me and the cat. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, I mean, you've got some amazing authors in the anthology. I mean, they, they're big name authors. I had a look at some of them, um, you know, were they friends of yours, or did you have to do some convincing to get them to buy into the idea? Uh, all I did was for the first one, I simply, after I, you know, it, my first year was over, I talked to them all. I talked to every one of them for an hour. So, you know, we, we'd already established that connection. And I just sent out an email and said, I'm thinking of doing this. Would you be interested in contributing either an original story or a reprint? And the first book, I had nine original stories and nine reprints. And in this one, the second year guests, for some reason, were even more gung-ho. And uh, I have uh, 18 original stories and only six reprints uh, in, in this one. Uh, and people were very, you know, um, even people who said they couldn't contribute were supportive of the idea. They thought it was a great idea. But, you know, especially on the, on the higher end of uh, authordom, uh, people are strapped for time and they might not have time to write a short story or have anything that was free from, you know, all the reprint material was already being used somewhere. Uh, so I had a few people that uh, would have done something if it, the timing had been different or, or whatever. But no, it hasn't been, hasn't taken any arm twisting to get anybody to come on board so far. Well, I must say, I had a look at the Kickstarter uh, project and uh, I was tickled pink by some of the, the videos there. And I thought, how could somebody possibly say no to supporting this project? You know, it looks like some really fun authors in there. Yeah, yeah. and it's the stories are, I mean, they run the gamut. I call it a, a cabinet of curiosities is the metaphor I'm using for the second book. Um, like the, the 16th century rooms that were filled with oddities from natural science and stuff like that. So there's everything in here from space opera to uh, supernatural fiction to alternate history to just just humor. <laughs> like I hidden there's a story called I Hid in the Bathroom when the Aliens Arrived, which, <laughs> which was written by Lisa Foyles, who has a middle grade novel out, but she's actually best known as an as an actress. Uh, and it's very funny. And there's another one about that involves time travel and pizza, I guess is one way to describe it. So pizza's <laughs> good for anything. And especially if you're time traveling, you're going to be hungry. So, and, and I get to put a story of mine in there too. So there's one of mine in there, and it ties into the novel that's coming out next year. So, if you're the if you're the publisher and editor, you get to do stuff like that. <laughs> that's right. Well, we appreciate you so much coming on and sharing all of this with us and our viewers. And we hope that you find some new fans today. Um, I know that we certainly are, and uh, we can't wait to have you back on. And just we like to follow our our authors along their journeys. And, you know, when new things come out, we like to have them back on. So thank you so much for spending some time with us today. We really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me on. It was fun. And thanks to all our, um, to everyone who's joined us live today, a huge big shout out to our amazing audience. That is why I do this. That's why we enjoy doing the show because of, you know, you, the audience. So thanks everyone. Edward, thank you so much. Um, and if you're watching this on the replay, this was the Writer's Corner live show with Edward Willett. Um, and do catch his upcoming book. You did you said the release date, 2nd of November, right? For the new one, yep. the anthology, 2nd yep. of November.
Awesome. I won't forget that because that'll be my 30th wedding anniversary. So remember that day. That's right. I I know that too. Yes. Okay. So it's a big day for celebration. So anyway. Big celebration day. Edward. Yes. Thank you so, so much. And again, thank you to the audience who joined us today. Um, Amazing. And Ross also agrees that she enjoyed the show today. So thanks very much, everyone. Take care, stay well, and stay safe. And see you right back next week, same time, same place. Mm -hmm.